1: Talk some ball, Three four seven six thirty three ninety three sixty five 9365 is the number to call, so don't sit around, no time to stall, giving you football from wall to wall, and now we give you our two hosts, Emil and Chad with your breakfast toast.
2: Call me a bad host, Emil, but I sure wanted to come in today with the uh, Miami Dolphins fight song. Uh, The absolute worst thing that could have happened to the Miami Dolphins yesterday happened yesterday, and that's losing across the pond to their arch rival. I can't even call the New England Patriots their arch rival in the division. Forget about that; they're not even on. You got to be a rival, you got to win some of those games. Yeah, they're not even. Well, wait a
3: second now. Not fair, not fair. They don't win the. They don't win the wars, but occasionally they've, they've been a thorn in the Patriots' side. Now, don't forget. Patriots, not a rival of the Dolphins, because they just
2: <laughs> seem to beat them with their own players sometimes, too. Um, but the Miami Dolphins, um, and I hate to open the show up with this, but I'm going to, are now a 1-3 football team. Certainly not what anyone expected. In fact, I think they expected the total opposite, Emil, is they Everyone expected them to be at least a 3-1 and one football team right now. What gives in Miami Dolphins football?
3: Well, what probably gives is, is it looks like they may be, there may be a coaching change today. You're going to know by the end of the day if they're going in a different direction. Uh, I don't know what that says. When you spend that much money in the off season if you're ready to can the coach four games in, you probably didn't have a very good plan. Obviously, the Sioux experiment was not a good one. Um, you know, he wants to do his thing. Um, maybe he feels pressure to... to to fulfill that contract, or maybe he's just selfish, but he just wants to do his own thing. I mean, that just seems. Let's let this. let's analyze
2: that part of it. Uh, well, not exactly that. The fact that let's dig into our history. Let's use let's use our good common sense here. As a couple of forty-somethings, if there's an annou- if they announce that there's going to be an announcement today about. The fate of the football coach. What does that tell you?
3: Is tells that, you, is that like a change? Did you ever make a cardboard a box change? from scratch? Did you ever use a tape gun and make a cardboard box? It tells you they're giving him three or four hours to make enough boxes so he can get the crap in of his <laughs> office. That would be my guess. Well, okay.
2: Is there, is there a chance, though? Uh, that they keep him and tell him he needs to make some coordinator changes. That is, could that happen? Sure, and there's
3: a chance I'm on the on the front of GQ next month. <laughs> you know?
2: So you're saying right here, right now, for all of our listeners, that uh, this man's going to get canned today. Joe Philbin's gone. That's here was what my thing
3: going into yesterday. I felt if the Dolphins came out and won the game or lost say a 23 20 game on a kick at the gun where they clearly showed that they were you know playing competitive football where maybe a break or two could have won them the game I felt like he had a chance but that game was essentially non-competitive yesterday they fell behind 27 7 when you're looking at their season right now they got they won the first game basically because they beat the Redskins up on special teams Uh, the second game they lost to the Jaguars they got hammered at home by a division rival and then they got hammered in London by their biggest division rival. Yeah, losing back-to-back
2: division games uh, is one of the worst things you want to do. I, I, you know, I don't know if there's anything worse than that in in the NFL. You got to come back strong. Listen, you lose a Jacksonville, and then you're going home for your home opener. You got to respond to that. Their response was a, a loss, 41-14, in front of the hometown faithful. Um, all right. Off of that, you need to really clean up your act. We've we've spilled the juice two weeks in a row here, and now we're taking on another division rival. We got to get. We could at least say we're okay in the division, and then you lose to the New York Jets. Make a case for the Dolphins keeping Joe Philbin if he can
3: do that. Well, I mean, I, I don't watch enough Dolphin games to to say that that, that my case is solid. Forget all with... that.
2: They're one and three, man. They're, no, they're here's my three, case for back keeping to back them.
3: Them. You brought the guy in. I mean, what's this? His third season there. Uh, he,
2: I think that's where we're at.
3: He hasn't had a chance to execute his plan. You've given him a quarterback. But what didn't plan his, would that be? Well, that's – and that's where I'm going with this. Does he have a plan or is management dictating his plan? And if they're dictating his plan, then shame on him because he took the job without laying parameters out. And I know it's hard when you're going for your first job. To be as to be as forthright as as uh you know you'd like to be, but in his case he should have said, listen, you know I I like to do things this way, and if we're if you're gonna tell give me players and tell me how to play them, I'm probably not the guy for the job. That seems what's happening there, to me. Mm. I mean they they went out they they broke the bank open for a defensive tackle. Is that really what the Dolphins' weakness was? I mean I mean seriously, was it that they had to have that player?
2: No, that was not the weakness, and perhaps this is another reason that you don't want to bring in a big-time free agent um, if you're a head coach, because if that thing doesn't work out and they've spent I don't know how many dollars, you probably know that, uh, but it was a whole lot, and it's not working out. Guess who's going? It's not you. The bigger investment has been made in that big-time free agent. So sure, um, if. The can is coming out. You're going to be the one in it, not that free agent. They're already tied up and invested in him And there's no guy. way to get rid of him
3: with the salary cap, with the amount of money paid up front. You know, he's, he's there for two or three years just because of the mathematics and the way salary cap signing bonuses go. So you sit there and now you say, okay, let's look at some history besides this guy.
0: Who was their last
3: big one they dipped into? Mike Wallace. How's he looking for the Dolphins these days? Ah, None of them the have Dolphins. worked out. There's
2: been None Mike of Wallace. There was Reggie Bush. There's been you know We can go on and on with this. They don't do well with their draft picks. They don't do well with the high-priced free agent signings. They just don't do well with personnel. But let's and, go back. Uh, let's start. Uh,
3: the, the expectations this year were all based on, on a free agent signing of at a non-quarterback position. So let's start. I've said this numerous times on the show. I know you agree with me more mm-hmm. so than any other level of football in the NFL, and you can see it every Sunday. We'll talk about that a little later. If you don't have a quarterback, like a really good quarterback, b- bordering on almost elite, but really good, you have no chance to win big games in the NFL. You you see it in the league every week. The Dolphins have a kid. He's in his third year. He was a 7-6 and six quarterback his last year at Texas A&M. So it's not like they got Andrew Luck here. This kid's mm-hmm. gonna take some time. If he does develop, he's gonna take time. So I don't know why the expectation of the Dolphins where that came from. Why would the Dolphins be expected to be a 10 or 11 win football team? I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it from my seat, but that's me. Well, um, look. When you talk
2: when you're talking about personnel with the Miami Dolphins, there's gonna be a lot of things that you just don't understand. I've not understood their draft for you know almost a decade. Uh, and you know how I feel about high-priced free agent signings. They just are typically don't work out the way people think they're going to work out, and this is just going to be another case of it. Another place where there's a high-priced free agent uh, signing that doesn't appear to be working out, and we're still early, is in Philadelphia and DeMarco Murray. But this one really kills me, Emil, and we talked about it uh, as it was a possibility. We talked about it when it did happen. We talked about it after, and we've already talked about it. But this is one horse... Um, I'm ready to continue to whip, okay? Dead or dead or alive, I, I want to continue to whip this. Uh, your boy DeMarco Murray had some comments to say yesterday. He made some comments about his, his lack of touches in the Philadelphia Eagles' office. What did DeMarco Murray expect to go on as a Philadelphia Eagle for him?
3: Well, this is actually, and it, I'm going to use the word sad. I'm going to tread lightly because... It's hard for me to be sad for anybody that's got twenty one million dollars in the bank as soon as they sign their name on a line. But it's actually a sad case where both sides lost. You said that well, and no, it's, it's no, no, true. No,
2: I'm I'm gonna say this to you, Emil. Uh the DeMarco Murray signing and this is gonna get we're gonna get into uh, this is I'm gonna piece in a little bit of the next segue into this thing. Um, might have been the shrewdest move by Chip Kelly this offseason. Would you like me to explain why I'm saying sure. that? Chip Kelly removed the biggest weapon on his biggest roadblock in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. Because I watched the Cowboys last night, and I don't care what anyone, any Dallas Cowboy fan tells me, they're missing DeMarco Murray. So if for nothing else, he has weakened his biggest rival in this division by removing that player from him. He I would so agree 100% that
3: with that, and I do agree in that respect. His biggest move. Except for one thing. His team stinks.
2: Well, yeah. Well, that's where we are right now. Right.
3: So, but no, that's where we, we will be. be. Listen, somebody with a losing record might win that division. So, you know, if the 7-9 and nine Eagles happen to do that, that doesn't mean he was successful. He was successful in that aspect. Stan Bradford is not a good NFL quarterback, okay? No, you're lying to me. Stop it. Come on. Evan Mathis, okay? Chip Kelly doesn't even understand offensive line play. He let an all-pro guard go. Their offensive line is an abject disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah, among – oh, it
2: is. It is, no doubt. He didn't understand that part of it. But uh, this – Offense clearly is not working. I gave this thing one more year, if you remember our preseason predictions. Yes, you did. I gave it one more year. I thought next year would be what we're seeing now, but the disease has spread and advanced so fast that it is on them right now. And is there any doubt, Emil, Chip Kelly is on a college football sideline next year? That's all. I have none. I
3: mean, I I have none at all. Matter of fact, I'm looking at this right now. I pulled it up. Here's DeMarco Murray for the year, folks, if if you haven't paid attention. He's got 29 carries for 47 yards with a long of 30. So, for those of you who aren't good at math, that means on the other 28 carries, <laughs> those are pathetic he's 16 numbers. 16 yards on 28 other carries. Think that about path- that.
2: Those are pathetic numbers. That's four games. Did he sit out last week?
3: He's three. Yeah, That's- he played three. He's already got his injury. He's got one of those. Okay, so he played three. And here's the How thing: How many carries? How many berries? He's getting in the three. He's, he's getting nine, nine in carry. three games. Yeah, 29 three it's games. 10 a game. And here's the thing that kills me with Chip Kelly. He said he got rid of LaShawn McCoy because he didn't like the way McCoy danced and he wanted a north south runner. I watch enough Eagles games up here. And matter of fact, I watched a good chunk of yesterday's. He's still yeah. running stretch plays with these guys. He's running plays that don't fit what the Markle Murray does. He's running that silly stretch play.
2: Why did he want that kind of runner? I don't understand. Was he like trying to, like a LeGarrette Blount type thing? Is that what he was trying to recreate? Uh, I have no clue. Listen,
3: you got me. All I can tell you is you're 100% right about, you know, he doesn't fit there. The guys in Dallas, I said this last night to a guy. that's clear. About the game. I'm watching that game. Let me tell you one thing. The only thing Joseph Randall can do is run through a gaping hole. If it's a gaping hole and he hits it, yes, he might go very far because he's got some speed. He has no vision. He basically, they're wondering why Dallas can't run the ball. Watch him and watch McFadden's done, by the way. McFadden is, he's checked out. I didn't, his, no, I never liked that sign. No, but I his career did. is over. You watch those two guys, they are basically running into blockers. They have no vision. None.
2: Did you not expect more from Joseph Randall, though? Did you not?
3: Of course I did. I'm not going to lie.
2: I tell you the truth. Yeah, sure I, I did. I, I expected more from him. As well, here's a damning here's a damning stat. Uh, Darren McFadden, who, uh, like you said, is done, hasn't done a whole bunch in this league, has been hurt a whole bunch, hurt more than he's been productive. He has more carries than DeMarco Murray.
3: Yeah, well, that's, you know, I don't, listen, I, I can't pretend to understand what's gone on with either of these teams. Uh, all I can tell you is this. There's a couple things that, that kind of frost me. From a fan perspective, you know, uh, I don't understand, first of all, why the Cowboys tr- uh, traded for that huge back from A&M, who had a lot of talent come out, second-round pick from Seahawks, Chris Christian Michael, he's still a young guy, 24. They don't let, put him in the game. Then finally yesterday, on a third and one, when everybody in the state of Louisiana, every person on their couch, everybody knew when he came in the game, he was getting the ball. <laughs> and the same stuff.
2: Yeah, a one, yard yard a one yard.
3: took a one-yard loss. I mean, the um, guy, You're sitting there from formation and personnel, if you've ever watched football before, and you know Whedon's the quarterback. Now, if it's Romo, you figure maybe they go with the fake handoff and a little bootleg, dump it to Witten or Beasley for a first down. But you know. That's
2: off the table with Whedon, man. Th- that's of off the table
3: with Whedon, okay? There's no way they're doing that with Whedon. So everybody in that state knew that that kid was getting the ball. Yeah, and, 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 you and, you got, for the and you got
0: what you got. Now,
2: is Lance Dunbar the
0: He's best done. running he back tore for the Cowboys? An ATL.
3: He's done. He well, tore I know an that. Was
2: he was he not? Was he not the best back at this point uh, for the Dallas oh, watching Cowboys? watching the way he
3: ran the ball, I was trying to figure out why he wasn't the primary running back. He actually looked decisive. He tried to hit the holes. I mean, you know, for me, What's up if with I'm... What's
2: Cowboys and the injuries, though? Dunbar's gone. Uh we already know about Des and Tony and I think he lost two other guys in that game last night. I, well,
3: Lee got his normal uh injury. He's got a concussion. He usually is good for at least two or three games a year if it's not a major one. So he'll, you know, he'll he'll miss a game, I'm sure with a concussion. I mean, and he's
2: getting completely depleted right now with the injuries. It's
3: just Yeah, listen, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to say it doesn't have a factor, but I have some issues with just the way like in other words, you go out and you trade for Matt Castle Okay, so okay, you trade for Castle. Now well, Castle's not going to be confused with Romo or Breeze or anybody else, but he's a competent NFL quarterback. He's twice won ten games in the league, once with Kansas City, once with New England. He's thirty-one, thirty-two years old, same age as Whedon. Because remember, Whedon's older. Why aren't you playing him? It's clear, Brandon Whedon. The guy basically sacks himself. That's what that's what the announcers were trying to say in a in a, in a friendly way last night. He's running away from the rush instead of stepping up. He's running where the where the offensive tackle is pushing his guy around the quarterback. He's running into the guy. It's just a... <laughs> yeah. There's very little awareness there for that guy.
2: And I, uh, you know, uh, I think if you lose another game or two here, you're probably going to see Castle. I don't and you know to try and hold place, try and hold some kind of serve here until Romo's able to get back in the saddle, but.
3: Uh, Let me hit you with this. Forget the Cowboys. It's, it's Let's just, I want to ugly. talk about the NFL yesterday in general. I had a chance to flip through some games uh, in the early set more, so I didn't watch as much of the late set uh, on the dish. And I've said this on previous shows, and I'm telling you what's holding this league together and making it stay popular is the fantasy football because you watch games where, where there's not quarterbacks available. The games are terrible. I mean, I'm serious. I'm thinking fantasy football may have ruined,
2: may be on its way to ruining the game. Well, it's me
3: long term. I agree with you, but what's keeping people's eyeballs on it? I'm telling you, I put that Colts Jaguars game on just for fun. I said, let me see what's going on here. That game, if you were not a Colts or Jaguars fan, that was borderline unwatchable. I mean, but we've had those every year, though, Amel. We've
2: we've always had the friends and family matches. But Matt Hasselbeck is 40
3: years old. He's playing in the league. That's how. That's that's the dearth of quarterbacks. Let me tell you, if I wasn't a Cowboy fan last night, I'm turning that game off. I didn't get to watch much of it. Cause, you it know, was a snooze in, fest. In transit, but. Drew Brees couldn't throw football right now further than me, and he managed to complete 84% of his passes. He looked, his, his ball, he, he didn't have a great arm to begin with. He's got a bad rotator cuff right now. His ball had an arc to it. Well, he's never had
2: a cannon. It's never been really. But I'm talking game. on a
3: 15 yard out. It had an arc to it. I'm not, you know.
2: Well, he put a perfect arc on that pass to Spiller at the end. And why a linebacker's on a four a three running back? I have. He no wasn't clue. on him. He
3: wasn't on him. He didn't even know what he was doing. Fifty seven. He's a rookie. He, they were so lost in that coverage. Fifty seven. It was almost like at the end, Barry Church is the safety standing back there. You think he would call timeout? You could see fifty seven just had to look like, "What do I do here?" And then he turns around and Spiller's running by him.
2: Kudos to 57 chasing him all the way to the end zone when he knew for 40 yards of that run what the outcome was going to be unless a missile came out of the stands and hit Spiller. You weren't going to get him. So, But a great hustle by the rookie appearing in the picture, the final picture of <laughs> Spiller across the end zone and sent the Cowboys catapulting to two 2-2. and two, So. That's the deal. That's what you that's what you got there. So the 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 leader in the NFC East right now, which you know some thought might have been a really, really, really strong division this year, is currently two and two and uh you know you've got your pick of the and the Redskins happen to be a part of that. Let league. me ask How you, do you that? think I
3: think there's a legit chance I started looking at schedules last night just for fun. I think there's a legit chance the winner of that division is, is eight eight and eight or worse.
2: Well, you you look, you know you can't go looking down the schedule like that. But uh there's a chance we could be looking at an 8 and 8 out of there. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean it was a tough conference and those guys beat each other up or they just all completely sucked and the one who sucked the least is the one that is going to move way through to the playoffs? Is, how do you how do you view that situation?
3: Well, it's just math. I mean, if you take their records outside the division right now, the NFC East is 2 games below 500 outside the division. I expect that to get worse. They're just Listen, the cowboys for the injury reasons are not a very good team right now. I mean you 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 can make you could say well coaches like to say nice next man up and we can't make excuses. It's one thing to lose a defensive tackle. You're not going to lose a, a pro bowl quarterback, a pro bowl wide all-pro wide receiver really. Um, you know, a couple defensive ends like Greg Hardy who hasn't played, Gregory the rookie, Sean Lee, Skandrick, You're not going to lose that kind of talent off any team and expect them to go out and be a very good team in this league. There's just too much parity. You don't have that much excess talent. The the Giants are an average team. The Redskins are probably, like you said on Friday's show, a little bit better than we expected, but they're still average on their best day. Mel, are and the eight...
2: Redskins right now, okay, including, you know, factor in the Cowboys currently have a serious injury issue. Are the Redskins the best team in that division right now?
3: I watched them play yesterday. I would say so. I mean, listen, they run the ball. They make a a legit attempt to run the ball. They got Matt Jones and Alfred Morris. It's a kind of like two-headed attack. Garcon looks pretty decent outside. He could still do stuff. Cousins, you know, he's a competent NFL quarterback. He's not great, but he's not going to hurt you. I mean, yeah, I would make them the favorite right now. Yeah, um, and who in the world thought that
2: outside of the D.C. area? Hell, people in the D.C. area. Didn't think this but would
3: Speaking of the, remotely NFC East, be the case. You know who took a terrible loss to an NFC's team yesterday is a team I bragged about on Friday saying I thought they could do something, is the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they're home. They're playing the Giants. And they just get slapped around in that game.
2: Listen, it's classic case. You blew out a division rival on the road, 41-14, and uh, everyone came back home from that game. Thinking that uh, they were, you know, the best thing in the NFL and probably prepared like crap and and got punched in the mouth by a Giants team that needed to get their act together. Uh, should have been one of, um, should have been one of my picks. Should have been your pick this week to take the New York Giants. We we kind of missed that opportunity there. So that's. That I'm going to throw kinda... one
3: out at you though, and I know you keep saying you can't go down the schedule. I'm looking here. I think the more I look at it, I think the Giants may be at this point, a team that could seize control. I mean, they play the 49ers next week. The Niners are a disaster. They have the Eagles in Philly, which will be a good game. They come home and play the Cowboys. Romo won't be back yet, so unless they're on to Castle, if Whedon's playing, that's a win for the Giants.
2: Man, I am just so, like, it's week to week in the NFL um, that it's very difficult to do what you just did. Whatever happened
3: last week. No, I'm week saying they're winnable. Happens. I'm not predicting that they're going to win them all. What I'm saying is they've got five straight games at New Orleans and at Tampa then before they play New England. They've got five straight games that even the three road games in those five are very winnable games. Now, am, am I predicting the Giants are going to win five in a row? Hell no. <laughs> but I'm just yeah, saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, who could do that? Just predicting week to week uh, is enough of a task. So, I don't know. We'll see how this whole thing shakes out. we got to jump into our first break here. When we get back, it's college football time. Plenty to talk about there. So many things went down this weekend that we uh, need to talk about. And we'll do that when we get back on the Gridiron Studs show right after this.
4: Hey, hey, hey.
0: Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well get ready because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over 10 million dollars in winnings weekly to its members. That's right 10 million dollars. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25, and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Studs show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Studs. Do it now!
2: back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Monday weekend wrap-up, 1025 a.m. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. Emil, I don't know when's the last time you've been to Disney World. Obviously, I have kids that just moved out of the Disney age, so uh, I do remember those trips to the uh, theme park. You ever wonder why... As I remove Lord Vader here. Um, you ever wondered why the... Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and and Goofy and all those were just so happy when they came up to you in the park. Why they were just so giddy? Usually because
3: they're contributing to taking your money. I mean, I was just down at the Universal down there uh, last year with, with my daughter's seventeen, her and my wife, like that Harry Potter stuff. So they opened that big mm-hmm. thing. But I've been to Disney in re you know the, the recent past. So yes, I I I think they're happy because they're taking my money and a lot of it.
2: Yeah, I I would say so, my friend. Uh, just announced, Disney. Um, if you didn't think the prices were high enough, have revamped their annual and season pass system. And revamped always means they're gonna come for, they're gonna they're gonna come into your wallet a little deeper. So it goes from 329 now for a seasonal pass, and it's gonna be now 389 and 549 to go to Disney Ouch. on a seasonal pass. 729 uh, for for you know. For the state residents that want the platinum plus, I mean, it's it costs a mint. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a yeah a guy to be going to the amusement parks. No, no, that's not my. Can't stand them. Uh, So you know, I usually would go kicking and screaming, but uh, now I've got a great reason not to be going. If there are any young nephews and nieces trying to go to Disney and want to you know get me involved, it is that no, you're not going. You're out.
3: That's ridiculous.
2: I mean, I'm definitely out, and you know what? I don't care what it's cost. In the past, when it's cost a lot of money, that place is not hurting. It's packed, and so oh, it's crazy. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Disney's you wait in line over there.
3: No, you wait. They print yeah. it.
2: Yeah. And so it's uh. And that Universal
3: man. doesn't do too bad either.
2: <laughs> no, all of the family, all the family of Disney parks are just killing it out there, and uh, looks like they're gonna kill it some more. All right, let's get back onto the gridiron and. Stuff that went down this weekend. Uh, A lot of very interesting things went down on the college football gridiron. I happen to be uh, attending in person to one of the more interesting things that happened this weekend, and that was the Florida Gators and Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss came into the game the number three ranked uh, team in the country. Florida had just moved in to the rankings for the first time in two seasons at number 25, and... Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be there for the pregame, and Ole Miss was a very confident football team. You could just see it in the warm-up. They're just feeling really, really good about themselves. Um, in fact, the, they decided they wanted to warm up on Florida's side of the field. That's how they were rolling. Wow. The thing. Yeah, the receivers wanted to run, run around on their side of the field and catch passes and catch one-hand passes and... Um, Listen, up close, because I was on the sideline for, for part of the pregame, that's an impressive group of wide receivers that the Ole Miss Rebels have, uh, physical specimens, and just catching balls with one hand with ease, gliding, and so it's a little bit intimidating if you're a Florida Gators fan looking at that and saying, man, this could be a problem. Um, so, you know, you're looking at a confident team with a bunch of pretty good athletes, kick this thing off, and within eight minutes – Ole Miss was completely and totally punched in the mouth. And Emil, I got I to gotta tell you, I was, I was surprised at Florida's performance. Uh, I thought a win was possible because I did say um, I don't know how good Ole Miss is. They played two JUCO teams, in my opinion, uh, to open up the season. And then when they played Alabama, it was a turnover fest for Alabama. They just wouldn't hold on to the ball, and Ole Miss.
3: And the they obviously with a have picker. something on Alabama. I mean, everybody's got their their kryptonite in sports. Every team, every mm-hmm. athlete has somebody that just plays them well. And right now, this history in Alabama football, it seems like for some reason, Ole Miss has Alabama's number.
2: Yes, and so maybe that was it was a little bit of that there. Perhaps they were in Alabama's head some. Um, so I was questioning just exactly how good Ole Miss was and that Florida really does have a chance to come out and win this football game. But I'd be lying to you if I thought Florida would have a 25-0 lead at halftime. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I thought this game would end with a 28 point victory for the Florida Gators who came out and absolutely dominated defensively. That was an extremely um impressive performance on the defensive side of the ball. And then the part that everyone thought would be the biggest problem, the offense. Um kudos to McElwain. It looks like he held some things back in those first four games and uh broke out some some uh, pretty good stuff early on, got got Will Greer going early and uh and, and and did what 90,500 wanted to see in that stadium on Saturday night.
3: Well, let me say this first. I'm going to make kind of a, a joke with truth in it. You know, when the game started and I saw Florida starting to just kick the crap out of them, which I didn't expect. I thought they could win, but never like that. The
2: mm-hmm. first
3: thing that came to my mind is that's why Florida's Florida and old Miss is old Miss.
2: You did say that to me. Um, um, but and man, I, it, come on, the tables had the tables had kind of
3: flipped nah, here. The last two, listen, three it takes years more than a Ole year Miss. or two of being decent for you to tell me that all of a sudden the tables have turned. Here's the thing I see with Ole Miss: it's great when you're the hunter, but it's a lot different when you're the hunted. Last oh, year no they God. had a last year they had a nice season going. Granted, Treadwell got hurt in their last three games. They they took a 30 nothing loss at Arkansas. They took that bold beat down from TCU, forty-two-three. Okay, then this year, the you know they play a couple JUCO teams. Next thing you know, they upset Alabama, who I feel that they kind of just have their number a little bit. I mean, they played well, but they have their number. Then they slept walk through a win against Vanderbilt. Before you know it, they're number three in the country based on one win. I mean, they beat Uncle Tennessee, that I like, you know, Mr. Martin that plays mm-hmm. comes to the SEC quite frequently. They beat mm-hmm. Fresno State. Who, by the way, lost to San Diego State on Saturday, twenty-one-seven. Okay, and they yeah, beat I Vanderbilt. Did see that. So they played three teams that aren't even remotely, uh, uh, you know, comp- competitive against them, and they beat Alabama. So we have them at number three in the country. And you're talking about how confident they looked. Well, of course they look confident, and that's the problem. They probably prepared like that as well. Um, it would appear that
2: something like that was the case, or that, or maybe you know, some folks under, under, underestimated Florida, considering that uh, they didn't really dominate any of their opponents outside of New Mexico State to open up the year. Every game uh, to this point had come down to the, the final play for Florida, so that would not indicate to you that they would have the the strength to go out and dominate the number three team in the country in the way that they did. But, again, it looked as if um, some things were held back offensively and, and, and the Florida team defensively was just chomping at the bit to get after an offense that was, uh, if not ranked number one in the country, had to be a, you know number two or number three scoring 53 points a game and they could only come out of there with 10 points. And mind you, that the, the touchdown they got was, I think, within the last two minutes of the game. So it, it was dominant from 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 uh you know whistle the gun here so
3: there's only about now, 15 programs in the country that understand how to be front runners based on their history and they've been front runners and they've been marked for a long long period of time mississippi's not one of them so that you know the, they sniff themselves a little too much and they played a talented florida team and you know this shows me something else besides you know you're talking specifically about this game but generally speaking I think we got to start viewing college football much closer to the NFL in terms of anything can happen week to week. I think the days of just... it is. Seem- it- I agree with you 100%.
2: Yeah. It's seeming more and more like that is the case, that we can't be shocked anymore. And A lot of these, uh, they're not FCS, but smaller FBS teams are finding themselves with a chance to win games late, um, and one of those being Purdue against Michigan State. So, are we saying something's wrong with Michigan State, or is this just uh, falling in line with what you're saying right. I, think I, think,
3: I think a lot of these days of just looking at your schedule and saying, "Okay, you know there's six or seven wins it, it's not It's not gonna be the case anymore just because you know Purdue, while they're not a great big ten team, they've put players in the n f l you see guys from Purdue in the league, so if they come to play and you relax i mean if, if you watched and you didn't get to see that game, Michigan state was up twenty one nothing at the half. They kind of let their hair down before they looked. It was twenty-one fourteen. Well, now you're in a game. Yeah, um, and it just one
2: of several results um, that kind of gave you that feeling. You know, what is Purdue doing? Um, being competitive in the, in the fourth quarter of a game against Michigan State. Another game that was a little bit of a surprise was Eastern Michigan and LSU. I mean, LSU is a top you know it's a top ten ranked team in the country. Eastern Michigan is uh, is is panty waste in college football right now, and it's 30-22 to at the end of the third quarter with LSU. I mean, that's something that's very difficult to explain.
3: Yeah, it is, and I think, you know, on a larger scale, the question I'm going to have about LSU, and, you know, eventually it'll get answered, but right now is, you know, a team like that where you can just flat out overpower them with talent, eventually you'll win the game. My concern for LSU is as they get in there against the Alabamas and the old Misses and the Floridas and the Texas A and M's, they can't throw the ball. And it's I know really they
2: starting to look that it's 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 Leonard Fournette and and nothing else.
3: Pretty much. And Now that's a, listen. If you're going to hitch your wagon to a horse, he's a pretty good horse to hitch it to. There's no doubt about it. I mean. This kid this kid has 99 carries this year and he's averaging 8.7 yards a carry which as far as I can tell will shatter if he ever stays up near that level I think it'll shatter the average per carry record for a season um mm-hmm. so he's certainly a beast you 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 know you want to hitch the wagon to but you you got to be able to throw the ball a little bit when you get in there against teams that are a little bit more stout up front You're not just going to be able. I mean, Brandon Harris from LSU was four of 15 for 80 yards against Eastern Michigan. Against
2: Eastern Michigan, that's. uh, You know, I saw that this morning and said, "Good grief." Um, I was wondering if that was some sort of a a printing error, but that's uh, that's amazing. You can't can't really have that. By the way, Chad,
3: you're a coach, and you you know. So maybe I'm out out of whack here, but see, for me, I look at this game, and who am I to question a guy like Les Miles? But I'm going to do it because that's what we do here. I'm mm-hmm. using this game to work on my passing game coming into it. I'm going into this game saying, listen, I've got to figure out how to throw the football occasionally. So I'm not feeding this guy 26 carries, you know, taking bullets out of the chamber, so to speak, for 233 yards against Eastern Michigan. I'm going to let Harris throw the ball 25, 30 times in this game.
2: Well, you would want to do that in a game against an Eastern Michigan, but but damn it, it the game was close. So you kind of had to go with what you know works. I mean, you needed to get a, a, a decent lead in this game and say, all right, let's work on some of these pass plays here. Let's work on some of Brandon's reads and some other things we need him to do down the road. But, hell, you don't want to end up losing to Eastern Michigan in the process. So the game didn't work out in that fashion. And so you lose a a game and you lose an opportunity to work on those things. And um, it might turn around and bite LSU in the rear end down the road. But here's something for you. There was no shortage of offense in this particular game. No problem passing the football. It was another one of your Big 12 dandies. Amel, Baylor, 63, Texas Tech, 35. And here are the mind-boggling numbers. Baylor, 680 yards of total offense, 368 of it on the ground for this high-powered passing attack. They put up 368 yards on the ground. Texas Tech, no slouch either in the offensive department, 636 total yards, 530 yards passing. Baylor is ranked, I, I don't know, what are they, the number, right now, number three team in the country if you're looking at the AP poll, Uh, Call me old school. If you're giving up, if you can give up 530 yards passing, 636 total yards in a game, I just don't think you're going to be able to hang out in that top four for very
3: long. Well, the problem we have right now, and I'm I'm kind of contradicting what I just said, because, again, anything can happen any weekend, but we're not going to know uh, much about Baylor for real, I think, until November. I mean, you look early, they played a terrible SMU team. Lamar, another one of my cousins who plays – once in a while, uh, Rice, they played a cereal and beat them 70-17. to 17. Uh, They got Texas Tech. Then they're at Kansas next week. Ooh. Then they're home with West Virginia, which we saw. West Virginia is a decent team, but they got blown out at Oklahoma. Chances are they're getting blown out at Baylor. They're home with Iowa State. Then finally in November they play at Kansas State, which may be a challenge. But before then, they're probably going to go into November 8-0.
2: Yeah, because they're playing all these other Big Twelve. What? Where's the defense in that conference? What is going on? What in high hell is going on in that conference
3: that they just can't play any kind of defense? You can't sell me that conference to me. I don't. I'm not as it's high as those Jokey. Teams. Almost, it's the old whack. To be honest it, with you, right? I mean, you know, you take some shots for fun at the ACC, but I'm telling you right now, I would far rather watch ACC games right now. Than Big 12 games. I find the conference to be almost unwatchable because I don't like that style of football. Now, there's people in the audience that think you and I are crazy, and that's great. But when, when your best teams are like TCU and they're giving up uh, 52 points in a 55 52 win against that Texas Tech team, I'm telling you, that's not something I, you know, if it happened once in a while and it was just an outlier, you'd say, hey, that happens in every conference. You get a crazy game. Where the score is 45-41, but this is every week in this conference.
2: Every- I don't know. I I don't know how many people could really like this. You know what this is to me, Emil? This is, this is uh, this is triple D tits, is what this is. It's like, <laughs> for God's sake, they're too big, like right? It's exactly. Yeah, it, it's overdone. Okay. Um, you were supposed to go over there and just you know take your B's to a C or C to a D, and you came home with triple D tits. Like, uh, hey. It's overdone here. This is ridiculous. TCU beats Texas fifty to seven. The big matchup in the conference uh, that day: Oklahoma and West Virginia on Saturday, forty-four twenty-four. I mean, thirty-six thirty-four. Kansas State and Oklahoma State. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Who's liking that? Who's no, liking
3: there's, that kind there's of never games oh, in this conference where anybody makes the pretense of playing defense. It's not just the point totals. Like some of those point totals, if you look at like the forty-four twenty-four. That's not crazy for college football, but when you start looking at the, the, the statistics in these games, it's almost like the only way teams get stopped is if they accidentally drop the ball and fumble it because it's you don't really see... Like, I I flip through a lot of games on Saturdays. When I turn get to Big 12 games, it's like I don't even know if these teams bring punters. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, why? I, why would and you? you and, watch, and you guys like, are
2: going on fourth down, too, I'm sure.
3: Let me take a look a at that. You're a defensive guy. But... I mean, do you see some of the stuff the stuff you're seeing there is almost like they took all the kids that weren't good enough to play offense and said, just go over here and play defense.
2: Yeah, and vice versa. I mean, all of the big-time guys that you had come in as uh, defensive players, you just went ahead and threw them over there to offense, which is what they used to do in uh, in the WAC conference. It's part of the reason why when I tried to commit to San Diego State and called my dad, he went absolutely bonkers on me and told me to come home right away. So... Uh, I, I, that's probably what they've got going on there. They're just schematically, uh, personnel-wise, just not putting the best. That they well, I mean, look at o- what Oklahoma ball.
3: ranked right now. Ninth, tenth.
2: Uh, let's find out for you real quick. Oklahoma is number nine in the coaches' poll. Number ten in the AP.
3: Okay, they played Tulsa uh, two weeks ago. They beat them fifty-two thirty-eight. That's Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Tulsa, fifty-two thirty-eight. Right. I mean, where, where are you going? I mean, a team like Tulsa, you cannot give up 427 yards passing. They gave up 603 yards of offense to Tulsa. You're telling me these are the uh, best teams in the country? No way. Sorry. Well,
2: well, in a game where you had some, uh, I don't, I don't know how many plays we had in this game. Maybe 170 plays. Texas mm-hmm. Tech and Baylor, five punts. So you know, there's your answer. And you know you could probably get your quarterback to to quick kick in these games. You don't really even need a punter if you're a punter. Are you going to the Big Twelve? Are you going anywhere in there? So that's your story. Well, let's How about segue because I want
3: to talk to you about something. Get your thoughts. Um, is Charlie Strong in trouble now? I mean,
2: oh, he's it's not been looking, in trouble. but yeah, well, he's but been in trouble. And, and this didn't help. Um, what was the score at the halftime? Thirty-eight nothing. Something it was like thirty
3: nothing at the end of the first quarter.
2: 30 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. As much as I love Charlie Strong, you like Charlie Strong, I don't know how much of a case is going to be made for him to – he's going to be out of there. And, you know, you got people talking about Chip Kelly being the guy there, which is not the place I think Chip Kelly needs to go. But then again, in that conference, who knows what he could do.
3: Um,
2: Well, let me ask you this, though. Does
3: Chip Kelly stare the same problem in the face out of Texas that maybe Charlie Strong did and maybe – you and I shouldn't have been as bullish on Strong for this reason that I kind of overlooked and felt like he figured it out. He really doesn't have, from what I know, strong recruiting ties in, in that area. I mean, his recruiting ties are more into the deep south and, you know, f- the Florida area. So he goes to Texas where, but, you know, But you does
2: that explain what's happening right
3: now? Because he's, by and large, working with
2: what's on the roster from the previous regime. How does that explain him being down True, 30 points? True, but
3: he has got two recruiting classes. And in today's game, I mean, you know, these, these teams are playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores and doing it quite well. So I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's understandable if he's not winning conference championships, but with the talent that he should be getting out of Texas, he should be able to play as freshmen and sophomores and be competitive. And right now, against pretty good teams, they're not competitive. Yeah, uh, I don't see him holding his job past
2: this year considering uh, all of the resistance there was to him having the job in the first place. And now all of those people seem vindicated. You know, I'm one of the champions for a coach getting five years. But if he has so many forces acting against him there and these are the results that are going to happen, it's probably best for both sides that, you know, they walk. You know, and you just hope that it, at some point in the season the Texas – team doesn't, you know, the guys on the team don't just quit on him because that would be a
3: tragic thing. Well, he's He's a young guy. If I was his career coach, here's what I'd tell him to do. Listen, there's going to be a job that opens up in the ACC or the SEC that isn't a premier job. okay, Midsize. Where you're in the South and you can go and start getting kids. It's going to be a low pressure job. There'll be a team that's winning four games a year or something like that. Take that job. Stay there three or four years. Turn them into an eight win team a la James Franklin at Vanderbilt. Okay. Get to some bowl games. Another premier job will open up. Take it then.
2: So you're saying he goes to Virginia to replace
3: Mike London? Something like a Virginia where he can go, he he'll he'll he won't have pressure. They'll be used to listen, we win four games a year here at Virginia. He'll he'll be able to get some kids there. He'll turn Virginia into a consistent eight and four bowl and go into a bowl game type of team. People will say, Okay, see this guy can coach, remember how bad Virginia was when he got there? A job will open up in the SEC that's a premier job where he has his recruiting ties, where he where he understands the lay of the land that way, take that job.
2: That might be you know, that might be the move that he needs to make. And Virginia would be an ideal spot because you can get good talent locally out of the Virginia area and uh, you can mix in with, you know, the surrounding states and you can still dip down into the state of Florida and grab you some guys there. So um, it, I think Mike London will probably be gone at the end of the year. And um, I guess money's no object in Texas because, you know, you fire Charlie Strong now, you're going to own quite a bit of
3: money. Uh, but look but, uh, what's you know, happened to him. He's He's boxed in right now, okay? To his north, he's got Oklahoma stealing talent. They they have the deep recruiting ties in, in that area, okay. And and he doesn't. He's got he's got Sumlin to his south, stealing talent from Houston and up into Dallas area. Again, another guy who's got the ties in, into the area. He's got over to his I, I believe northwest in Waco. I'm a, my geography serving me correctly. He's got Baylor, who's now mm-hmm. stealing mm-hmm. talent, and he's got TCU in the Dallas area. So. You know, he's got four schools that are right now currently, I believe, all in the top 12 in the country taking talent. And He doesn't know the area. In other words, it's not like he had roots there where he, he, he's he got ties to high school coaches. And, and I don't think he does, not like those other guys. Yeah, well, you know, here's to
2: hoping that maybe at some point in the middle part of this season, which is kind of where we're at right now, um Texas can start showing some signs of life. I'd hate for him to go out that way, but it's not looking good. And you know some of the things that disturb me is that um you've got simple things that aren't going right, you know. uh snap getting sent over the punter's head, um that turns into a disaster. You got those kind of things going on. So it just it
3: well, just Well, what you really, really saying is there's a sloppiness to their game right now at Texas. Uh the penalties are out of control. I mean, one thing I always figured Charlie Strong would be would be to have, a, you know, a very disciplined team. But if you really look at their personal follows are crazy. Um, they're just, you know, it's just they're not they're not coached like a team that, uh, you know, has a guy that really has his act together. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. It just seems like all those forces that you described earlier have just gotten in his head or whatever. Or they're just, you know, maybe they're working back channels against him or he's got infighting with his staff. I don't know the deal. But that team just doesn't seem like a a a Charlie Strong-type team, a well-prepared team. No, not at all, not at all, certainly not what we're
2: used to. Did you see Did you see this story uh, coming out of, you know, coming out of Texas, not the kind of story, you know, this kind of adds to what we've got going on. You had a Texas cornerback, freshman Chris Boyd, uh, who had to apologize on Sunday morning for what, Amel, not a personal foul, uh, not for flipping off a fan, uh, for tweeting. To a Texas A&M fan, not after the game, but during
3: the game at halftime. Uh, how I about that? The, I, I, mean, I actually we, saw the story, and you know, I was just first of all we new
2: territory here.
3: Yeah, but it's, it makes me shake my head because it's kind of indicative in the era the, of the era we live in. You know, number one that a kid would even consider doing that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we there were cell it's phones the world around.
2: we live in, man. You know, they go in the locker room; their phones are there in their locker. Um, and you know you may have two or three minutes there of some downtime. You go in there and check it, and um, you've got a push notification of some fan coming at you, and it's kind of hard to resist, although though you must. Um, in this particular, and it's no, it's no surprise that it's a freshman wasn't
3: able to do that. And um,
1: yeah, but let me ask you football.
3: something. I mean, there were cell phones around, you know, when you when you were playing. Would you check yeah, your messages Yeah, they were at halftime.
2: Listen, the cell phones around in my day, I had a hard time fitting in a backpack, okay? Not a very convenient thing. <laughs> That's true. Thing. And there are no messages on this thing. You
3: know, we look like Michael Douglas and checking, Wall Street. checking your messages? Ha- come on. Oh, let me check my Facebook page. We have a few minutes here. Yeah, well, in my day it was check your beeper, and
2: you weren't calling anyone back because more than likely it had to find a payphone, and unless it was a 911 from mom, whoever that was was just going to have to wait. So that's the world and the temptation that they live in, and that's what we've got going on. You know, we made some picks on some games. Uh, We should probably take a look at that, and before we dip out of here, we can probably touch on a couple of the other big-time games. We do need to talk about Clemson and Notre Dame. But let's let's jump on the picks because somebody – some buddies had a pretty good weekend.
3: Oh, we did. we did. We didn't just hit them, by the way. We told you why they were going to happen. So. and that's,
2: that's what we do here on the Gridiron Studs. Let's
3: let's start with uh, you know I, I came in at seven and five this week coming in, and you came in at eight and four. You you had a lead. We we're both doing well in college. Um My picks. Absolutely. I was three and zero. We'll go through them. I took Alabama. I told you guys, listen, this game just fit what Alabama likes to do. Georgia has that plain vanilla offense. They were going to play it in a three yard space there at the line of scrimmage. And in that kind of game, I'm almost always going to take Alabama. And I'm really going to now, take. And 38 with- 10 was a kind outcome
2: to where this thing seemed to be going at a certain point. It looked like it was going to be the mother of all
3: beatdowns. Yeah, know, Alabama, Alabama, I, I took think, their got bored with it and started pulling the oars back in. I mean, why show stuff that you don't need to show for coming weeks? So, they, you know, they won 38-10. The game wasn't even that close. They just beat up Georgia. And to make them an underdog, you know that Saban used that. So that was an easy one. Then we have the one, which, we, you know, you and I both liked, uh, Washington State. Uh, they went toe-to-toe with Cal. Cal's just not ready to be laying 17.5 points in a, in a division game yet. They're a good team. They're improved. They have a, an NFL caliber quarterback, but they're not that good yet. And uh, this game went right down to the wire. Uh, Cal held on one by six, but you were never outside the number. Washington State had the lead for good chunks of this game. So that was an easy winner. And then mm-hmm. finally, my third pick was Boise giving 25 to Hawaii. And I just cited now the Now the runaway winner. Well, Boise. We could nail that better. one. More talent, and Hawaii was just traveled out. I mean, you had a Hawaii team that came over, played Ohio State, went home, came back, played Wisconsin, went home, and came back and played Boise. Um, they got shut out in the three games against Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Boise. They didn't score. So that was an easy one. What was it, 55 nothing? I lost track. Something like that. That might be.
2: 55 nothing. was your final. That might be. Might be where old Charlie Strong ends up if he has another thirty to nothing, you know, uh, first quarter score in any game.
3: He may be over there with a damn lay around he,
2: his neck, trying to coach up some football.
3: Yeah, he may be. And, and you told me a funny story that I've cited on other shows about your first trip to Boise. He might also be the only black guy in the stadium. Good, yeah, oh yeah, I I I
2: lived through that experience coming out there getting called on to mimo because I had a, a a blue rag on. That's how they roll out there on the blue Dude, turf. Ten and right, five. Let's talk about I sh- my. I
3: sit at ten and five. So let's talk about your your picks because you had some good ones yourself there. I did. I want to talk
2: about a very disappointing one. It's the only loss that I experienced on the day. Nebraska traveling to Illinois, Nebraska, a 2 and 2 football team going into this game. There's no way Nebraska is going to come out of their game against Illinois under 500. Just can't happen if you're Nebraska. All right. For God's sakes, Bo Pelini left a good football team here that at least won nine games every year. So you can't go in Illinois and lose to the Fighting Illini that lost 48 to 14 uh, to a mediocre North Carolina team. So. Um, I'm looking like a genius on this one through three quarters. Nebraska's up 13 nothing. but as has been standard in all of Nebraska's games so far this season, nothing means anything. They're like an NBA basketball team. Nothing means anything until the fourth quarter of a Nebraska football game this year because that's where the real stuff goes down. And in the real quarter for Nebraska, they weren't real at all. Got outscored 14 nothing by Illinois, and at the end of the game, one of the most yeah, you know, I got to be politically correct in the way I describe this—a um, mind-bending uh, mm-hmm. management of the game. And we just—we've talked about this on shows uh, about coaches being able to manage that final part, that final four minutes, two minutes of a game. And Mike Riley completely botched that. But for me, at that point, I could care less because I was going to lose this game against the spread. It just really seemed it was 13 to 7, and I, I think it was six and a half. So uh, almost one of those things where you get mad at the team. Now you're rooting for
3: for Illinois. So uh, nevertheless, the, can I touch for on Nebraska, something though? Not just on your pick though. I've noticed this, and we could touch on it later in the Notre Dame game. Most of these coaches, or a big chunk of them, they can't do simple math. I had a game on Saturday, not the Notre Dame game, because I want to talk specifically about that one. The team was down 19 points in the fourth quarter. They scored a touchdown and kicked the extra point. Somehow this guy couldn't do in his mind that I need three scores, eight plus eight plus three is 19.
2: Yeah, well, listen, uh, there are a thousand things going on during a football game, and maybe sometimes if your math skills aren't that strong, they get distorted. uh, But listen, uh, tell me this, Amy. If you're a head coach of a major football program that's going to be on TV and you're going to have seven different shows on Sunday analyzing what you did, would it not be... Um, a good shrewd move to just grab one of those math geeks from campus, give him a polo and say, you could stand on the sidelines here, and I want you to do one thing for me, Andrew. Um, just sit here and go over all the math with me. Tell me what I need to do after a touchdown or, you know, put, get me right in all these Yeah, situations. Andrew, when How I turn to you the in rules? the fourth
3: quarter and, and we're about to go in down 19, you tell me, Coach, you gotta go for two. That's all I need you to
2: do. Yeah, that's all I need you to do, Andy, okay? All right, that's all I need you to do. Matter of fact, Andy, let's not wait till I actually get in the end zone unless it's a fifty yard bomb that surprises somebody. As I'm driving down the field and we start to get in the red zone, just just tug on my shirt or my cord and say, Hey, if you score here, coach, you need to go for two or hey, if you go if you score here, coach, you really just need to only do the extra point. And here's the calculations and why and everything else. You know get someone to do that if you know you're not good at it by the way i apologize
3: right now for raining on your parade because because you have two good picks coming up and i got you way off but but i mean it just oh no but i
2: I mean i'm tired of seeing the end of the game one of that's one of my pet peeves by the way um not handling not managing a two-minute situation not handling the whole scores at the end that's like come on that's You can lose a game over that stuff, and you didn't need to. And uh, it worked that way for Nebraska. All right, so that's my one loss out of the way. I vented on that a little bit. Uh, But, you know, you and I agreed on the Washington State. I don't need to belabor that much. It was just too much of uh, a too heavy a backpack for Cal, who's doing well this season. I expected them to win the game just 17 and a half points. They're not ready for that yet. They need to work their way up to that. And so you and I completely agreed on that one. And then. You know, I was happy to round off the day with with the victory, especially after you know suffering a little bit of uh, through that other that that uh, Nebraska loss. So I jumped out with the uh, with Oregon, who mm, kind of made it interesting a little bit, but. I felt the same way like about Nebraska. If you're Oregon, you can't lose to Colorado. We're only talking about seven and a half points here. If you go into Colorado and lose this game, or you look so unimpressive in it and it's a final play of the game type thing, Oregon's season is done. And it may very well be because even though I got the point spread covering this, they didn't look good, Emil. No. Like no this game, by the way, they were here. in
3: trouble in this game at halftime. You kind of got a feeling like, man, they could lose this game. And I think Colorado probably had a a little bit of a case of they couldn't believe they were still in the game and, you know, almost undermined their own effort because a more experienced team probably would have beaten Oregon. That night, I mean, Oregon yeah. wasn't great. Yeah,
2: well, I kind of banked on Colorado not having that experience right. if anything broke down. So, nevertheless, I end up with a two and one. So we're both ten and five and killing it—a combined twenty and ten on the season. Yeah, you can't college. beat that. All... We
3: we we've been doing well in college. I, before we go to a break, I know pay some bills. The NFL segment, I do want to touch on that Clemson Notre Dame game. That just drove me bonkers again. uh Another game. Well, where, wait you know, a minute. I, why don't why don't
2: why don't we do this? we're not going to if you're you a regular listener we're going to tease you like this and and we're going to we're going to make it come back tomorrow. Let's get the Monday night football game going cuz we do have a really good one tonight. Um it's the Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. So, we'll let that one play itself out tonight and I do have a pick on it, so it would only make sense that we can come back tomorrow. And we'll talk all the NFL that we want tomorrow. And we may have a surprise for you listeners here. You're going to have to rejoin us tomorrow. won't go into any details about it. I don't want to jinx anything. But we may have a really big surprise for you guys. But we will talk NFL tomorrow. How's that sound? That's good. All right. Yeah, um, that works. So we can, conti- we can continue our talk here on college football here for the next five, ten minutes before we end the show today. Uh, before we jump into some of these other games, I do want to bring a man on. He's been holding here for a while. Les, what do you got for us here, man? How'd you, I'm looking at your picks here and trying to trying to figure out what you did here. The Michigan State, that was a no go. Don't know what happened with Minnesota, and now I got to go do some research. Minnesota challenges. lost
3: twenty-seven nothing. He took a he took it on the chin there. Who's the third one? Uh, did we have a
2: Western Kentucky? I think they blew someone out. Am I, help me out here, Les.
4: Well, I, I didn't even get a chance to look at the game, man. I was so busy, um, but. I don't think I had a good weekend, um, but it wasn't exciting. You, picked, week we, you picked
2: Western Kentucky, and they stuck a foot up Rice's rear end. So you did you did get one winner out of those three this weekend. Well,
4: one and three, one and two ain't bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I want to I want to ask you this question, Les, because you know you and I were college roommates. Uh we 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 did have the beepers. We weren't drug dealers, but we had the beepers and we conducted some very serious business you and I uh, with our beepers. Um <laughs> if we were if we were in college football right now, um we would have cell phones in our locker room at halftime like everyone else. Do you think we would have done what Chris Boyd the cornerback at Texas did? Would we tweet at halftime during a football game? Do you think we could have resisted that temptation? Um
4: you know, I think we had a little bit more pride in ourselves and the people that were coaching us, um, that we wouldn't have done nothing like that. But nowadays, with, you know, social media, these kids feel that they can express themselves any kind of way they want. I mean, and if they feel, mm. you know, feel a discomfort or rejected or feel like they want to, they want to get, you know, leave, I mean, they're going to say the things that, that's on their mind. And it's unfortunately that, um, you know, the coach at Texas has to deal with stuff like that. I mean, who wants to be a coach that you walk in at the end of a game and one of your assistants is telling you what another player said via Twitter? I mean, uh what was the game
2: last year though? I don't this kind of brings up to mind when you said come in at halftime and you're being informed by by uh, someone else about what was going on. What was the bowl game last year? I'm asking both of you. Where <laughs> Where you had a an assistant coach that was elbowing players from the other team going out of bounds, and someone had they had to get them ripped off the sideline. Was that Texas A&M? Was that Texas A&M? I, 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 Texas
3: A&M. I think yeah. it was. I remember that game. That was pretty funny. <laughs> 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 I,
2: I don't know why I found that hilarious. My man was throwing bows on everyone that came out of bounds. And then you, <laughs> you and, and were I were ta- you
3: and I were talking about that when Woody Hayes punched the kid from Clemson back in the early '80s. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Woody Hayes, the legendary Woody Hayes, got sent off out of his job with a ton of wins. And uh, you got this joke over here who put a wristband on and thought he was, you know, back in his playing days, less. I mean, good grief. Good
4: grief. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I would, tripping, I would handle that if I was a college coach. Uh, I might have bowed him up in the
2: locker room. I might have dropped him right there and said, hey, well, you stay well, here we, on this floor now for the rest of the game.
4: Well, knowing me and you, we probably would have gave him his walking papers uh, that day to tell him to figure out a way to get home on the plane.
2: I think I would have just told Coach Hardeman to handle it. We'll, we'll be out. Uh, we'll, we're leaving the locker room for the, for, uh, the third quarter. Coach Hardman, you handle this guy that's throwing bows.
3: Let me ask you guys something. I've been, I've been chomping at the bit because I think it was one of the better games of the day. Either, I mean, Chad, probably you didn't. Uh, Les might have because you were, you were at a game, Chad. Did you see the Clemson-Notre Dame game last? I didn't see it all. No, I missed it at all. I was, all at, I was at youth game just uh, all Saturday. Okay, let me set this up for you. Notre Dame's having a turnover festival. Okay, they made four in the game. Uh, the, the one leads to a 21-3 lead for Clemson early in the third quarter. Right after halftime, they got a fumble, recover it. Watson goes in a couple plays later. They're up 21-3. Notre Dame scores a touchdown in the third quarter, okay? Why would you not kick the extra point? 21-10 makes your deficit 11. Again, let's go back to math class. 8 plus 3 equals 11. You don't need a two-point conversion, but Brian Kelly decides he's going for two, misses it, makes the score 21-9. Clemson eventually takes a lead of 24-9, 24-16, and what do you think happens at the end of the game? Notre Dame scores mm. a touchdown, and guess what they have to do now? They have to make a Go two-point conversion two. Instead of just kicking an extra point, tying the game at 24, and sending it into overtime.
2: What uh, I, I'm sure you must have listened to or read uh, his, his comments on that. Someone had to ask him in his post-game press conference.
3: Uh, what was the logic he gave on it? The, the stuff I've seen, and maybe there's some better stuff out there. It was very, uh, it was vague. It would be like, you know, when you screw up and you try to explain yourself instead of just saying I screwed up, he tried to explain it with a bunch of mumbo jumbo that basically said,
2: uh, "Oh, see, this nothing. is when you need an annoying character like Jim Gray to not let that go and just stay at it until the guy, until <laughs> well, the guy takes how the you podium and that? throws it into the crowd. <laughs> how do you explain uh,
3: that? Dumb, there's, there's there's nothing logical." Yeah, there's nothing like We larger. saw the
2: same thing with Miami late in that game against Cincinnati. This is just repeating itself over and over. Like, come on, man. Prepare yourself for that I mean, moment. if you're
3: down 18 points and you, you're a football guy, okay, certain numbers, even if you're not a math whiz, they stick in your head. So 18 to a football guy means 8 plus 7 plus 3 equals 18 because you know the numbers – over the you know over time you just learn that combination so you're down yeah, eighteen and, 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 and to that credit uh, I was re- as a kid
2: I was really great with my sevens timetable I killed that I bet you were because I loved football yeah <laughs> right I mean I knew that like the back of my hand so as a coach you know that based off of that well just I want to ask this question though that drive where they went to and it, the score ended up becoming twenty four nine was it a drive or was it some out of the uh, out of the you know some big play that just popped out of nowhere.
3: Uh, I think the score you mean to get it to twenty-one nine because what Notre Dame did was twenty-one nine. When it got
2: to twenty-one nine, was it a I drive? I think
3: they hit a fifty-yard pass. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go look at this right now. I think they hit a long bomb on that play, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the reason so I think... I'm asking that is this: like, if you got a drive going and you see yourself moving
2: down the field, crossing midfield, moving into uh, scoring position, you start. That's your mind starts working on that. What are we doing if we score? Now, if you happen to pop a play and now you're faced with that situation that's thrown right in your lap, maybe there's a chance you screw that up. But if you're driving on the field and you've had a three, four play drive, five, six, seven play drive, eight, nine, ten play drive, and you screw that up, you messed up as a coach. Big time. Oh, that's, the, that's the that's running back to took
3: it. The the the, uh, the running back took a 56 yard pass from the quarterback to score to make it 21 nine Notre Dame running back.
2: Mm, I give a. I give you. I'm not as hard on, on, on you about that. Now is Brian Kelly calling plays? That's the next thing.
1: That I don't. He's I don't know what he caller. does there. I don't, don't know where his you, deal.
2: That's the other problem. Because you're calling plays, and you're all about the calling plays and setting things up, and then now you're not thinking about stuff like that, which is what you should be doing as a head coach. That's why you have a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator, and you think about all those other little things. You see where that comes to bite you? Although I don't know
3: exactly. But I understand that. My point to you is there, I know there's a lot going on in a game. I get that. What I'm trying to say to you is in the back of your head, you're Brian Kelly. You've been coaching football you know, for head coach probably back to high school days, probably 20 years now, okay? Even if you score quick, you have to know you're down 18. I only need to kick an extra here. I'm down 11. That's not a problem.
2: Well, it is a problem,
3: but, yeah. It's
2: not a problem. I don't need to make it a bigger problem by going for two and possibly missing it. I get that. Uh, Les, let me jump back to you. Let me give you the quick summary on, on, on your state that you hail from. Uh, Michigan State looks like they're gonna fall out of that They're gonna fall out of that top four or five ten pretty soon. That's where they look like they're headed on the flip side though and I know you're you're uh I don't know how much of a Michigan man you are, but it looks like they are working themselves into a position where at the end of the year they could very well beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. What are your thoughts on that? great. <laughs> there you go. Can't wait. Sounds like Bart Scott. Well, this is um, a radio
3: show. We need you to elaborate on that.
2: No, uh, let me ask you this though. Amen. Both, let me ask both of you guys this though. Michigan beating Ohio State at the end of the year. Good for the Big Ten or bad for the Big? Ten? Great. <laughs> See,
0: I agree. I
2: let's think. Let's get I someone think... a little not. Yeah, not someone not so biased in. Well, I think the fear right
3: now, if you're in the if you're just running the Big Ten as a conference, is you, you don't want Ohio State to get so dominant that it becomes Ohio State and their little brothers. So, hmm. I think for the Big Ten on a long-term trajectory, it would be good uh, if if Michigan or somebody, Michigan State. I mean, let's not read too much. But I know Michigan
2: you, has a loss. Michigan beats Ohio State. You don't have a team in the final in the college pl- football playoff
3: you may if Michigan runs the table uh, ends up 12 and 1 with a loss in an opening round opening game at Utah who turned out to be a good team um uh, you may have a team i mean it's going to be hard let me see where
2: they are in the in the polls as y'all, as we discuss this but uh Michigan currently sitting at 18
3: yeah they can the, the teams are falling out look at florida went up 12 spots last week uh Ohio, UCLA fell 13 Michigan could easily. The schedule's
2: have... the schedule's boo-boo, though, although this game, this, the, the game they got coming up here in two weeks has suddenly become a bigger game than anyone thought. Les, did you expect Northwestern to be this?
4: I like Pat. I like the way Pat coaches. Northwestern has always been a tough team in uh, Evansville, but uh... – I didn't expect them to be beating people like they are, but, I mean, it's good for the big time. tougher than
2: usual, and they're playing the hell out of some defense. I don't know if you've been paying no, attention to Northwestern. i paid attention, and, and,
3: and that's what I'm trying to say to you. If, hypothetically, Michigan goes, wins the rest of their games, they'd have a win over Northwestern, a win over Michigan State, a win over Ohio State, and a win in a conference championship You might game. be
2: right there, my 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 co-host friend. They very well uh, could slide their way up in there. What, what would stop them, huh? Would the them from being in there.
4: Are you in a restaurant or something? Spartans. Huh?
2: The mighty you... Spartans. Oh, we're we're talking to a to a Michigan State fan. But no, let's talk this though. They beat Northwestern. They beat Michigan State. They get down to the end and beat Ohio State. Michigan certainly has a case for being in that Final Four, unless we've got some uh, a bunch of undefeateds. That's true. They do have opportunity. Yeah, I doubt
4: so, it. Um,
2: I do want to see I do want to see that. What would be big for the Big 10 would be an uh would be an undefeated Ohio State just playing a one-loss Michigan State. So if you if you're the Big 10, you don't want to see Michigan lose another game this year. Sorry to Northwestern, it's not going to be sexy if Northwestern, you know, ends up being um the team at the
3: end, without a but loss. But why are you, you all of a sudden young? inserting Michigan, uh, Michigan State, despite not playing that well in some in, at certain stretches, is still undefeated. I'm tired
2: of. I'm, I, listen, let me tell you something. I know I got a Spartan fan on here. They just don't look good to me, okay? Uh, the Purdue game, that's ridiculous. They struggle against Central Michigan. Um, they're in a bit of a dogfight against Air Force. Oregon, we've already determined, is not a very good football team, and they had to struggle to win that game. Michigan State's on borrowed time, if you ask me. They're losing losing—they're losing a game or two this season coming up. Just my opinion. You know what? Someone's right, dropping
4: Right, right, right now... Right now, I agree with you. I think they're struggling because everybody reading their articles and where, where they ranked at, the the best thing for Michigan State was to play a close game this weekend. And, yes, we need to get kicked out of the top five so that that way we can start, you know, getting focused again because the higher the rankings are, the more notoriety you get on campus, the more people are expecting you to be a national champion. And they're not a national champion caliber team, but right now, I mean they're mediocre. By the end of the season, who knows? But like I said, we still got a few more weeks to go, and we'll see what happens.
3: Well, you're going to know a lot about Michigan State relatively quickly. Middle of this month, they have that game at Michigan, and you know we're going to start sorting a lot of this stuff that people worry about. Every year, you know they worry about it, but most years stuff gets sorted out as we play these games. You know, Michigan, Michigan State is going to start sorting it out for us in the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, well, Les, man, thanks for joining us here on the show today. And um, um, I'll hit you up later, man. I may have something big to tell you.
4: Sounds wonderful, brother. Talk to you all soon, man. Have a good day.
2: Bye, Les. All right. Did we miss any of these games here? Did you want to talk at all about UCLA getting beat by Arizona State? Uh, I kind of of thought that that one was
4: coming.
3: If you remember Friday's show when we were covering the games, I said to you, you look at a game like that, here's Arizona State, they came in with some high expectations this year, they lost that game at A&M on neutral site to start the year, and then USC goes in there after a, a tough loss for USC against Stanford, and they smack them. You know, now all of a sudden we take Arizona State and we throw them in the you know the dumpster fire category because mm-hmm. you know, they played a very motivated, talented USC team, and they got hammered at home. Well, mm-hmm. I said, here's UCLA, kind of feeling good about themselves, blowing out Arizona State at Arizona, that game just felt like something could happen to me. I mean, I just felt like... And it did. Well, Arizona State was saving their season. They rose to the occasion.
2: Yeah, Yeah, uh, poor UCLA. Uh, An opportunity there gone by the wayside. Florida State, who's been all the center of college football for the last two, three years, struggling with Wake Forest, another game in which they struggle. What are we making of Florida State here? Are they on borrowed time like Michigan State?
3: That that's part. Their game and some others were part of the reason I said to you in a text on the weekend that we really need to consider maybe just having a, you know, no polls until the middle of October because I know it sells magazines, but no, fat chance. that's that's not I know. going anywhere.
1: But you know, when you have not these polls, anywhere.
3: they're based on nothing other than tradition and last year's results. I mean, you look at Florida State's schedule so far; they played Texas State, South Florida, who's not very good. A decent Boston College team, they won 14 nothing. Wake Forest, 24-16. They are not, right now, in my opinion, a top-ten team. Now, they might be by the end of the year, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and sh- I,
2: I can't I can't disagree with you there on that one. Um, they're just I mean, they not have Louisville coming up.
3: Well. Louisville's been playing a lot better the last couple weeks. Then they're at Georgia Tech. There could be a loss somewhere in there. Uh, then they have uh, a couple weeks out after that at Clemson and then at Florida. I'm telling you right now, I see a couple Well, of they got a
2: Miami the- game this week that's first up that, you know, they really need to pay attention to because uh, Miami's going to be fighting for their season, believe it or not, with only one loss, but the, uh, a terrible loss against Cincinnati. And uh, this is this is going to be it for Miami. Miami loses here. It could be really big, big trouble for them the rest of the way. So they're coming in here, uh, balls to the wall, and, and Florida State – Better have their heads on straight or they're going to end up losing to, to, you know, their arch rival here.
3: Yeah, and generally the Florida State schedule this year was not a killer schedule, and I still think there's a couple losses on there for them. I really do. So, yeah, well, you know where I put them. I
2: think I put them at 7-5 and five when we are doing our preview show, and um, though they haven't lost a game yet, they're kind of really heading in that direction, and they're, they're, they're walking that fine line. But, hey, look, uh, great show here. We talked a ton of college football, and like we told you during the show, we're going to save all the NFL talk for tomorrow. We want to watch the uh, the uh, Monday night football game as the Lions travel to take on the Seahawks, and then we'll uh, wrap all that stuff up. And I've got a pick on it, and for those of you who didn't hear the Football Friday show, I am going with the Seahawks, who are nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I think they're going to smash the Lions, so we'll see. And then we also may have a big, big surprise and present for you guys there, our loyal listeners here of the Gridiron Studs show, so you definitely want to tune in tomorrow, and you also want to kind of stay on the Twitter account today, at Gridiron Studs, to see uh, if that announcement comes through. Um, Partner, I think we we had a fun time talking college football on the
3: show today. Do we ever not have a fun time?
2: Oh, yeah, show. oh, yeah, but the season's zipping through and kind of want it to slow down a little bit. But nevertheless, we thank you all for listening. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy the rest of your day.